You are listening to Talking Home Renovations with a House Maven. Is it time to renovate your house, but you're worried that you don't really know what you're doing? This is an educational and entertaining podcast that will ease your fears. Or maybe you just love hearing about home renovations like I do. I am your host, Catherine McPhail. I am an architect. I practice in Eastern Massachusetts. On the show, I interview other architects, vendors, contractors, and homeowners to gather tips and stories about home renovations. You can learn about materials, systems, sustainable practices, what to expect, what to avoid, and how to make the most of the money that you'll spend on your renovation. The listener asked me to do an episode on which projects get the biggest bang for the buck. You know, which kind of renovation projects are you most likely to get a return on your investment for? So, so I asked real estate professional Daryl Cohan to join me with some advice for homeowners. Daryl, welcome to the show. Thank you. Appreciate you coming on. So tell me a little bit about you are, uh, you work for Keller Williams. I do. Um, I've been selling residential real estate for about 20 years. Okay. I sell mostly in the Western suburbs of Boston. All right. And that's a pretty hot, hot market. Pretty hot market, yes. Right now, anyway. So someone wrote to me and asked if I would do a show about uh, what's the biggest bang for your buck in terms of, like, before you're selling your house, what, I guess, what do you get the most money back from? Now, I have my own feelings about it, but they are based only on my feelings. So, okay. And then also anecdotal <laughs> evidence. So I thought I'd ask an actual real estate Yeah, I have a lot of anecdotal evidence. Yeah. Um, I think everyone's first instinct is to say that kitchens and bathrooms are going to give you the most bang for your buck. Mm. But I actually think curb appeal is really important. And I also think like home maintenance is really important. Like get your gutters cleaned, make sure your leaves are raked, especially this time of year. It's, it's really obvious if you don't do those things. Right, right. And it makes people wonder what else you haven't been doing that they can't exactly. immediately see. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with you about the kitchens and bathrooms because I feel like if there's a new kitchen in a in a house that I don't really like it, but it's a new kitchen, I will feel less likely to want to rip it out and put it in my own kitchen. So I'll, I'm less likely to buy the house because I don't like the kitchen, but it's brand new. And so it... I don't know, maybe but there are de- market. There are definitely buyers out there who are like, I don't want to pay for someone else's new kitchen. I want my own new kitchen. Exactly, yeah. Because that's exciting to do your own new kitchen. We get to pick out everything, have it be just the way you want it or as close as possible to the way you want it. So yeah, I'd rather buy I'd rather buy a house that has a trash kitchen. Yeah. <laughs> I've I've always preferred to like do my own renovations rather than have them done previously. Yeah. Because what are the chances? I mean if you if someone were going to redo their kitchen ahead of selling the house, I mean, how do you know what do you just do something very, very, very neutral? I mean, I guess, right? Because otherwise it would be too specific. So it's hard to know what to do. Well, I think it all depends on the price point. And I also think it all depends on like I'm a big believer in functionality. Like I like to open kitchen cabinets and see, oh, where do these people keep their food? Does that make sense? Is there you know, space for dishes near the dishwasher and just kind of, I'm really concerned about functionality. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. So when you say curb appeal, what do you mean? Do you mean that they should paint the house or do you just mean that they, what, what does that mean exactly? I think it means that they should just, it should reflect care and maintenance. So, you know, dead shrubs should be pulled out. 
Um, fresh mulch is always a big crowd pleaser. Um, if your swing set's old and you're getting rid of it, get rid of it. Like, don't leave that for someone else. You know, make sure your front walk is safe and, you know, no cracks or anything like that. I think that's really important. One of the things that we've been saying in real estate for a little while now, actually, is that your first showing takes place online. Mm, Yeah, that's true. So if your pictures don't look great, you've already lost a chunk of the market. Yeah, some of the pictures I've seen online are, I can't even believe they're publishing them. You know, well, have you seen some of them are just like, what is this? Why would somebody not clean off the bed to have a picture of the bedroom taken? Well, it's funny. I've become much pickier about my pictures over time. And now, you know, now I know to like check through doorways and make sure you're not seeing things. And, you know, those are things I never thought of initially. Mm. Yeah. So, so you get people ready for to sell their house by, by staging it or... Does that really matter? Um, yep. Well, I'll either bring in a stager, an organizer. Sometimes people need to have houses painted. Um, you know, there's a lot of, sometimes you don't, you don't see your own, you don't see the mistakes that you've made right. or you don't see what you've lived with over time. Yeah. Do people ever do stuff like, actually, I know that sometimes they do maybe design an addition and decide not to build it. Uh, definitely. Yeah, it gets a little problematic because technically the ownership of the drawings belong to the architect, so that's a little little sticky. But it does help to show potential what could happen. In right. I always say that realtors are very good at spending everyone else's money. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I've noticed that. I <laughs> We're like, oh, you well. could mo- do this and you could do this and you could do that. Right. And sometimes people do it and sometimes they say, wow, you have such great ideas and I always say that's just because I go into so many houses Mm, yeah, and see so many different things. Yeah. So bathrooms also, you feel like that's not worth redoing? I wouldn't redo unless it was really, really bad. Mm. Um, But I would freshen up, you know, a little, a new shower curtain, new towels goes a long way. Sometimes even just changing the hardware on the vanity. Mm. Um, you know, there's definitely little cost-effective things that you can do. Yeah. But no no, no real need to have a full-on bathroom remodel. Mm, I, probably not. Okay. Well, um, what, else, what else do you think? What else do you think would help to sell a house? Do you think people care about basements? Um, I think people care about space and functionality and livability. So, for example, you know, if a basement is set up as a playroom and a gym and space for a home office, you know, then people see how that space is used. I mean, that's the whole beauty of staging. Yeah, that's true. What is the biggest bang for the buck, do you think, on any renovations? Or you shouldn't do them. I mean, that would be the right now in this market, it seems like you don't have to do anything. You almost don't have to clean up your house. Well, you do have to clean up your house. So <laughs> Okay. <laughs> Oh, well. And declutter, declutter, declutter. You can't declutter enough. Mm. Yeah. But then that's, um, what about in bad times or not when it's a buyer's market? Do you think that changes things? I I think it does change things and that the expectations of the buyer are a little bit heavier. But there's also, there's like 
motivated buyers and then there's discretionary buyers. Mm. And, you know, as agents, it's our job to figure out what our client is and how we can help them and how we can help them keep them educated about the market. So what's the difference between a um, motivated buyer and a discretionary buyer? A motivated buyer wants to get into a house. They are willing to do some work. They maybe have a lease that's going to be up or maybe they're expecting a baby or maybe they have family moving in with them out of town. They're they're motivated. They they need a house. Yeah. A discretionary buyer is looking for the perfect house. Right. And of course everybody's different and some people want to move into something that's completely move in ready. Like would you bother emptying out the whole house and redoing the floors and painting all the walls and moving in minimal furniture after that? Is that does that seem in this market maybe it seems extreme or would you I think it that? seems extreme in this market. You know, one of the guidelines that I use and I made it up. It's, I don't think I I don't think I'm the only one to use it either is that some, I tell my sellers sometimes that they can spend up to 1% of the listing price getting their house ready. Hmm. And that could be a number of different ways. It could be getting a dumpster. It could be hiring an organizer to help you get packed. It could be doing some painting or maybe some exterior repair work. But I find that using that measurement is helpful and then if they spend less than that, they're excited. Oh, I spent less than that, and I still got a great price for my house. Hmm. What's the average selling price around around here, around the Boston area now? Oh, it's it's crazy. It's um, houses are selling for way over asking with multiple offers. Really depends on the town. You know, you can still buy a house for six or seven hundred thousand dollars, and you can buy a house for three or four million dollars. There's a lot of variety in the housing inventory. Yeah. Six or 700,000 is still um, a lot of money. And from what I've seen, I'm surprised that there are certain houses. It does obviously depend on the town, but I live, yeah. pretty, I live in Arlington, which is pretty close to Cambridge. And it's and Cambridge, Arlington's so. pretty hot. And, yeah. you know, usually what happens too is people start their search in say Cambridge and then end up in Arlington and, mm-hmm. Like I live in Needham, so people start in Needham and sometimes they end up going to Medfield or Natick if they get priced out of what they want in Needham. Yeah, yeah, that's true. But buyers can do so much of their own research now. It's really, I think, the realtor's job to educate them and to get them in the houses because things that look great online may not look great as they appear. Right, right. If someone were going to be probably moving within five years, what kind of renovations would you advise them to do, to not do? So which ones will they get, probably get their money back for? So here's my true belief on this. If you're going to, if there are things that you would do to sell your house and you're five years out, do them now so that you can enjoy it. Right. Don't do it because you're selling your house. Like if things are going to, if something that you do is going to make your house more functional, let's just say cubbies in the mudroom, for example, and you're thinking, wow, you know, the next buyer would really like to do that. But I really want to do it. I, I'm going to be here for five years, and that's going to make the house more enjoyable for me and my family to live in. Five years is a pretty long time. It is a pretty – I mean, it goes quickly, but it's a long time. It does go quickly, but it is a long time. So, yeah, I, I often advise people, if they're not planning on moving in the next few years, 
to go ahead and do what they want to do. Have you seen anybody put any money into their house that they then regret because it was just considered to be something that stood in the way of the of this selling quickly? No, I would say the only thing that people think is that they are doing things that they can then take with you, with them when they leave. So for example, oh, I'm going to plant some perennials and then they want to exclude their perennials. Like mm -hmm. that's crazy. Yeah, that's not worth it. No, it's not. But people get hung up on stuff like that. Yeah. Although I can see how that would be tempting. I have a lot of perennials that I love. And if someone, I found out that they were just going to rip up the whole thing, put down grass, I probably would foolishly offer to take them with me. <laughs> Which Still, it's just hard to move plants like that. You have to have a plan. You can't just go and put them in a storage area. Right. So, and in, in that way, I think it's really important that the two agents, the one representing the buyer and the one representing the seller work together. Hmm. So it makes it a lot more pleasant for everyone. And then, you know, the, the people in the transaction, the buyer and seller have a really good feeling that everyone's working together towards the same goal. Right. If people are going to be putting in, you know, doing a, a big ticket item for a renovation, which, and they had, let's say, a limited amount of money to spend. Would, would they be better off spending it on a, like a master suite or a basement fit out or a pool? Well, pool, you know, the pool is six of one half dozen of the other. So I, I would immediately eliminate that from this list. Okay. Pools out. Pools out. Because like some people, unless you personally really want a pool, the pool is either seen as a liability or yeah, it's and it'll it goes either way, fifty percent either way. Okay, so pools out. So that leaves us in this case with a master suite or like a family room addition or basement renovation. So today everyone wants the open kitchen family room. That's the number one thing that we see people asking for. They still want that. They still want that. Yes, I can't, I can't believe it. I just personally can't believe that people still want that. <laughs> Haven't they been all together for long enough? I don't know. Maybe and they also me. want the bigger, the better. So if you can land an airplane in your kitchen family room, mm. you're golden. So, yeah. but again, it goes to functionality and how that space is used. Right. So for example, you know, during the pandemic, people were doing a lot of jigsaw puzzles. So is there space <laughs> to have a table for a jigsaw puzzle to be set up now? Are we going to continue doing jigsaw puzzles? Who knows? But mm. if not jigsaw puzzles, a game table is always a great idea. Right. Right. I, I always like to leave out my crafts so then I can go back and work on them for a few minutes instead of having to take them all out and put them out again. But then I do live with other people who don't appreciate that look. <laughs> but, but for you, that's functionality. For me, it's functionality. But I also live with other people. So... I can't, I can't do that all the time, but I do appreciate having, if you're going to have those gigantic rooms, which are the size, the footprint of some people's houses, you know, I've noticed these family room additions. Yeah. They're huge, like 19 by 26 room. I don't know. Anyway, you, I, I, I try to dissuade people from building something that big because like, let's put some furniture in it and see how you're really going to use the space. I, well, that goes to the functionality. Yeah. I'm, I guess I'm about function. And I wouldn't sacrifice, like, for example, people still like to have a nice backyard. So if you're building a 19 by 26 foot family room, are you sacrificing yard space? Well, yeah, you'd have to be, right? Because it has to go somewhere. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I guess that's a question if there is more of it than 
then how does that all work into it? So, so family room edition is a good, you'll get some return on that. Yes. And if you build a master suite over the family room, you'll get even more return, but then you're talking about a bigger investment. So, yeah, Yeah. you know, it all, it just all depends on fitting in with the neighborhood, um, being consistent. You know, I personally think people sometimes like quality over quantity, Right. And they look there look for things like the details, the finish work, the crown moldings and the wainscoting the and, and things. Yeah. Yeah. I mean you can spend more money on built-ins if you build less square feet. Exactly. Know? So All right. And even like even like on a design element like it seems like wallpaper is coming back a little bit. It so It does, does seem that way. And if you choose wallpaper, choose something that's beautiful but not too personal. If you, you know, love soccer, don't pick wallpaper that has soccer balls because then you're limiting the next user. So what is a source that people could look at? Is there something online that says statistically you get 80% back on a kitchen renovation or you get 40% back on a basement renovation? Or, you know, the, I feel like I've seen sites like that. Yeah, there's um, the National Association of Realtors puts out a survey like that every year. Hmm. So I'm sure you could just go to their website and find that information. Yeah. Yeah. Um, lighting is also very a, a very big item that people look at. You know, how much natural light is in the house. Mm. You know, that's something maybe you're, you do something to like add a window and, you know, or make a window bigger. Just Right. But not to sell the house, but as part of a renovation. It would as part of like, a renovation and a renovation that you're doing so that you enjoy the house more. Yeah. The lighting, I think, is a great suggestion because uh, it just kind of creates this whole atmosphere. Yep. That is makes it all seem nicer. It just seems more high end to have, have nice lighting. Changing your overhead fixtures, first of all, it's easy as pie. You can do it yourself. And there's such great resources online to buy fairly inexpensive fixtures and it totally changes the look yeah of a true. room yeah i'm probably gonna do that right when i sell my house because we still have the bare bulbs from 12 years ago <laughs> <laughs> well you can do it yourself Catherine. well i just have to do it i would like to be able to enjoy it for a few years exact that's exactly right that's it's one of those things that when people do it to sell their house they say oh gosh i wish i had done it three years ago so that i could have enjoyed this yeah I mean, I would encourage everybody to go ahead and do that. Like I lived in my house for 10 years with a big patch of like something had happened and we had to repair the wall. And um, I can't remember if it was crumbling around near the window or whatever. For years, it was this green wall with a giant like two foot by one foot patch of plaster. And it was just like that. And it kind of bothered me. And I thought, well, I'll do something about that. And then right before we sold it, we painted the whole room and it looked so much better. And you wished you had done it. Yeah, I didn't even know it was such a drag on my psyche to have this patch that just felt like it was broken and unfinished. And, you know, I didn't really appreciate that fully. You just kind of look beyond it, you know, like you were saying. You just don't see your own your own mess. Would it make sense to add bedrooms to an attic renovation, let's say? Is that, a, is that something that people get a lot of return out of? Not. It depends on the structure of the house. You know, are you adding a fifth bedroom up there? Are you adding a bedroom and a bathroom? You know, what's the, what's your threshold for that type of renovation? Yeah. To put a bathroom, to put a bedroom up there without a bathroom is kind of, today's buyers are not going to be, 
are going to be less interested in that. Yeah. They're expecting to have a bathroom near the bedroom on that floor. Exactly. Okay. What about these families who used to live with like 13 kids in a three bedroom house? With one bathroom. With one bathroom. (laughs) (laughs) They survived. They seem to survive. I don't know. Maybe they're not okay, but they survived through it. But you always hear that about the neighbors. Like when you move into a new, at least I did. When I moved into a new neighborhood, People talk about, well, back in my day, we could live here, all 13 of us. And when, <laughs> <laughs> so people don't, I have this times change, I guess. And, and what about ADUs, like accessory dwelling units? Have you been running into those? Not really. Right now, it seems like for my clients that people, people want more home office space and more private space that they can still have guests, but they're not in their home. Interesting. Yeah. yeah no, I haven't run into that too much, but I think the other thing is that like, I like to encourage people if they're going to do something, some sort of renovation to pick like one sort of wow factor Mm. and, you know, kind of enhance that. So for example, I recently saw a house that had like built-ins in the garage and they were fabulous Mm. and people will pay a lot of money for that. But more importantly, it like gets them excited. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. That's true. And I thought those garage built-ins were really cool. Yeah. Okay. What other kind of things like that? People love mud rooms, I think. Mud rooms, um, wine refrigerate, beverage centers or wine refrigerators. Mm. I have a house that I just put on the market that has a media room and there's a kitchenette in it. So if you get hungry while you're watching a movie, you don't have to go upstairs. Mm. That's a good Um, one. You know, all these features are... I mean, that's partly what's dra- driving the prices up, but it's also at that price point, you know, what differentiates your house from the next house. Mm. Yeah. Especially if there are kids involved. I remember going to see all these houses with my kids and they hated to be dragged around to look at all these houses. But if there was something cool, like, you know, a popcorn maker in a media room, now that would have been something they would talk about forever. And kids, you know, they get excited about stuff and they influence yep, people's absolutely. decisions for sure. Some houses don't have garages, but then building a garage, it's something like it only subtracts a certain amount of money from the sale and it would be more expensive to build it than the return on it would be. So if you already don't have a garage, I was talking to someone recently about this. If you don't already have a garage, there's no point in building it just to sell it so that you have a garage or that was her take. What do you, what do you think? about? Yeah, that? I would, I would say, um, as long as you have a storage shed for like lawnmower and lawn equipment and stuff like that, um, you know, unfortunately some houses just don't have enough land for a garage or there will be some people that will eliminate your house just because there's no garage. But if the house is fantastic and if the pictures are fantastic and they get you in the door, you might be able to overlook the fact that there's no garage. Yeah. I mean, some people don't park in their garage anyway. And a lot of these... Well, especially some of the older houses in New England, the garages are so small. Yeah. 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 Our garage was built in the 20s and you can't... You can't... Two people can't pull in with the car, both get out of the... You have to choose which side is going to be Unless you got a sliding door minivan, probably. Right. Which I don't have. Which has a limited life... <laughs> or limited family life expectancy. I don't know. Yeah, but still, you have the passenger doors. Like it can't. Like the it's too narrow for both doors to be open. It's kind of a problem. But so, do you park one car in the garage and use the other side for storage? Well, it's only about ten feet by um, probably eighteen feet. So this is not a large 
garage. I wonder what size that I, I always think of the old cars as being bigger, but I guess maybe they weren't. So we park in there. We don't usually park in there unless it's the snow season. And then we might yeah. park one car in there and then. But when we drive in, we have to let the other person out first and then drive into the garage and then <laughs> And you have to remember over. to do that. Yeah. And remember There's to fold a lot up of the steps mirrors. <laughs> well, I mean, we just had to back out if we forget to let that other person out because it's just not either that or you have to crawl over the seat. So yeah, it's not um it's not the best garage. Functional function-wise, it doesn't function. But very you loved well. the house and you were able to overlook that. Well, yeah, I mean, you can't have everything, you know. So so I would say that you were a motivated buyer. Yeah, we didn't have a home at the time. Okay. Yeah. So that makes you a motivated buyer. Oh, yeah, yeah. We were living in an apartment nearby. We sold our house in, in Belmont, and then we lived in an apartment, and then we're looking for another house. So, yeah, we were. And actually, this our house shares a garage with the neighbor. They built their – they were people who were related to each other. So they built a combined garage on the property line. Oh, Wow. Yeah, so we have we the left side is our neighbors and the right side is ours, so, yep. So that's a little strange. So there's always little things that are kind of weird about a house. I think most of the time, at least in my experience, well, maybe hope, it's a price range. I hope they're not weird. I hope they're. <laughs> <laughs> well, what I mean is weird isn't weird, but I mean like that's kind of a little strange thing that people might think twice about, like having a shared garage. Like, what does that mean? What if you don't like your neighbor and. It's not a lot of space, you know, that whole thing. So what I mean by weird is like. But but for you, because you were a motivated buyer, that was something that you were able to look overlook. Yeah. Yes. It's something I overlooked, but it's not something I've, I've loved about it. But there's nothing else to be done because there's no there's nowhere else for a garage. You know, so yeah, you just live with it. Yeah. So one of the other things I like to encourage home sellers to do is to go to open houses of the houses that are in the same price range mm. because then they can see what their competition is and they can and it sometimes will help them to make a decision of where to price their house mm. okay so that's before it goes on the market exactly all right so if you have a house that's let's say 1.5 million dollars you're putting one percent into getting ready yep one one percent of one point five. Fifteen thousand. Fifteen thousand. All right, so you could easily get a dumpster or two for that, and then you yeah. could paint the inside of the house. You could get more new hardware for the for the vanity in the bath. And maybe that's, you only spend ten thousand, but then you feel good about it. Right, right. That's good. That's a good rule of thumb, though. And it's for sure you're not going to do a new kitchen for fifteen. No, and you don't have to. No, you don't have to. Okay, so. In terms of like, what is the number one renovation that always gets its money back? Almost always gets its money back. I would actually maybe say more that it makes sure that like, like that your roof is not an issue. Like some of the structural things. Mm, yeah, that's um, probably true. Because it's not particularly exciting for a new homeowner to have to immediately spend money on a new roof. No one like no one likes to have their friends o- come over and say, "Oh, come see my new roof." <laughs> so, yeah. I would say that the maintenance goes a long way. Mhm. Yeah, I always call those the um the root canals of architecture. <laughs> they are. They are. You need it, but you don't want to spend the it's money on exciting. it. It's not exciting. No. What about uh air conditioning or a new you know, like the energy efficiency of a house. Does that yep. have any appeal to people these days? Um, I think air conditioning is definitely desirable. Mm. Again, you know, some of the older houses, what they do is they put air conditioning on the second floor 
because they can run it down from the attic. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when you really want it when you're sleeping. Yeah, that's true. So that's that's a functionality thing. Yeah. Well, Daryl, thanks for all of the information. Um, oh, you're welcome. I hope it was helpful. Yeah, it almost makes me want to um, move. I don't know why. <laughs> like well, if you want to move, call me. <laughs> <laughs> I will. So how can people get in touch with you if they wanted to... Um, you know, follow along with what you're doing. It looks like you're on Instagram. I'm on Instagram. I'm on Facebook. Uh, Daryl Cohan Real Estate Story. All right. Thanks, Daryl. Okay. Well, thank you so much for having me. I'm looking forward to hearing this. Thanks for listening. I hope you subscribe to this podcast. If you don't, please head over to wherever you get your podcasts and subscribe. And if you have time to write a review, that would be so helpful. Please contact me for any reason at the house maven at talkinghomerenovations.com. I love to hear from people. You could also join my Facebook group, which is Talking Home Renovations Together. And I'm on there with a bunch of people who have also been on the show, have been guests on the show, and other architects and homeowners and contractors. And so we can just talk about whatever issues people might have right there in the Facebook group. If you're on Clubhouse, come join me 10 a.m. Eastern, Saturday mornings. There is so much information on my website which is TalkingHomeRenovations.com. Head over there for transcripts, episode enhancements, other information. If you want to be a guest, that's where you'll find that information in the application. This podcast is a member of Gable Media, which is the largest AEC network on the planet. Check out the other content on the network at GableMedia.com. That's G-A-B-L-M-E-D-I-A.com. This podcast is a production of my architecture firm, Demios Architects, where we believe architects are for everyone. Until next time, take care.